Hello and welcome to the Raw Podcast brought to you by the Sunland Echo. I'm your host, James Copley, and I'm joined today by Joe Nicholson and also Michael Bowers as well. Uh, we'll be talking about Sunderland's nil-nil draw away to Lincoln City. But the club are now heading into a, a two-week international break. Um, but there's still plenty of news stories doing the rounds and a few talking points. Um, but first, a bit of housekeeping. You can subscribe to the Sunderland Echo for premium content and an ad light experience over on our website. Uh, and now that there is now the option to go totally ad-free for digital plus subscribers. And if you like what we do, with the Raw podcast, then please consider subscribing um, and leaving a review because that all helps with our visibility. So we'll dive straight into the Lincoln game. Uh, goalless draw, Joe, at Central Bank or the um, LNER Stadium, as we should now call it for, for sponsorship purposes. Uh, Sunderland had chances to win it. It's a bit of a paradox at the moment, isn't it? Because when Sunderland play well, they tend not to get the win, but when the performances maybe aren't there in full... Uh, they've found a way to win. So they're a bit of a strange team at the moment, aren't they? Yeah, as you said, they had chances to win. They had very good chances to win as well. Um, it was very similar to the Charlton game a couple of weeks ago. Nil-nil draw. Sunderland had the better of the game, created the better chances, but just couldn't find the breakthrough. And it is interesting, like you said, that um, I think they've been very different games. The games that they've won at home, where teams have kind of come and sat deep, uh, Fleetwood and crew. And Sunderland have had a lot of the ball and been asked to kind of break them down. They have managed to do that in the end. Um, can be quite different when they go away from home. The games can be a bit more open. Uh, the Lincoln game um, was quite end-to-end, particularly near the end of the match in the second half. Um, they had a bit of a, a spell, Lincoln, towards the end before Sunderland kind of wrestled back momentum and had a, a great chance at the end with Ross Stewart's header, which was an, actually an excellent save from the goalkeeper. Jordan Wright, but the games away from home seem to be a little bit more open. There seems to be a little bit more space, but Sunderland just haven't been able to to take their chances. And as I said on Saturday, um, there was a, a great chance for Jack Clark. Corey Evans hit the post. Um, so the encouraging thing for Alex Neal and the team will be that they are creating chances. They look a lot more solid at the back now. That's four clean sheets in five games, but the games are running out. Um, so there are encouraging signs in terms of performance, but it was definitely a missed opportunity and, and it felt like two points dropped coming away from Lincoln on Saturday. Indeed, Michael. Thanks for joining us. I was um, I was trying to fish out a, an official title for you in my head. There, I was like, is he a, a Sunderland pundit? Is he a SAFC fan TVs? And then I was like, no, he's on a he's on a load of other podcasts. So I'll let you introduce yourself and then give your uh, summation of the uh, the Lincoln game. I'm just me. Like I think you're giving me a lot of credit there that I probably questionably <laughs> deserve or not uh, for the game. Yes, obviously I was at the game at the weekend. Um, and I think apart from, from my own perspective, apart from the final 10 minutes when Patterson had that save to make, I thought Lincoln barely offered anything. I don't think they really did much. It was bent to end for me in terms of possession who had the ball. But I think if you look at the chances, some of them were by miles, in my opinion, the better side. And like Joe touched upon before, it's quite weird because with Alex Neal at the minute, it seems to be an extreme where we play not so well and win or we play really well and draw. It's it's a bizarre combination. Um I think performances, I mean, don't get me wrong, at this stage of the season, performances, are, sorry, the results are definitely the primary concern because we need to finish into the top six to give ourselves a chance of getting promoted, which should still be the expectation and the aim. Um, but if you keep playing like we did against Fleetwood and Crew, you get, I think it's less likely you're going to be in the playoffs. And I think, you know, Link, I mean, the thing you could look at it is maybe Lincoln tried to have more of a go at us being at home and it allowed us to sort of um, press them a bit more. But... I mean, like you guys have said before, 
you know, um, was it Jack Clark had a hat trick of chances two in the first half, one in the second, the one in the second, how he doesn't score that, I do not know. Then you have Corey Evans hitting the post. Jermaine Defoe had a shot which went just wide. And then was it Jordan Wright, Lincoln's goalkeeper, making a great save in stoppage time to deny Stewart. Um, I thought Sunderland easily deserved the win. But the thing that I was a bit, that made the result a little easier for me was the fact that Chef Wed had a draw, a nil-nil draw away at relegation, threatened Gillingham. And then I think Wickham apparently dominated at Portsmouth, didn't win either. So I think it's important that we don't overestimate, well, obviously respect teams around us to a point, but don't overestimate them and make us think that they're going to win every single game. Oh, the last seven games, um, sorry if I'm stealing any future talking points, James, um, but, but you know, out of the last seven games, Sunderland for me probably need to win four of them to maybe make sure of a playoff place, four of them with a couple of draws. And I think this side's capable of it. I think there's a good, I think Saturday was a balanced performance where I thought defensively we were very good. Um, I'm not going to bore everyone with clean sheets because you're all sick of how I know how I feel about clean sheets at this point. Uh, midfield controlled a lot of the game. We just did everything right but score. If we can play like that, it's a big if though because every game's different. But if we play like that against Gillingham on the 2nd of April, then I'll be astonished if we don't win that game. But it's ifs and buts. That leads us nicely into the next talking point on the plan that I only shared me and Joe into, which was possibly a little bit of an oversight on my part. But we'll talk about the uh, the run-in and the League One picture. So Sunderland's final games are as follows. Gillingham at home, Oxford United, obviously a playoff rival away from home. Shrewsbury at home, Plymouth Argyle away, obviously they're very much in the mix for the playoffs as well. Cambridge United at home. Uh, Rotherham at home, which is an interesting one because the Millers potentially could have nothing to play for by then, but they do have a very tough run-in, um, and I think they're without the win in the past five games, so that's a really interesting fixture for me. And then Sunderland finish up on the final day against Morecambe away from home. Joe, what's your gut feeling uh, and sort of analysis on, on that final run-in for Sunderland? Because there are a few tricky games in there, a lot of winnable games, um, but there's a lot going on in terms of that playoff picture at the moment, and it's not guaranteed that Sunderland will even get there. Yeah, as you mentioned there, um, some big games, the two which really stand out are the Oxford and Plymouth away. Um, although with Plymouth winning at the weekend, they've then are four points clear of Sunderland with the game in hand as well. So even if Sunderland went down there and won, um, you know they could still be behind Plymouth. But looking at the run-ins as well, Plymouth have got quite a few of the teams up there to play. I think... Um, They've got a, a relatively, well, on paper, easier tie this weekend. And then um, and then it gets quite tough for them. So they could still get dragged back into it. But yeah, they're the two that stand out. The Plymouth and Oxford's games away. But I think the encouraging thing under Alex Neal is they've, they've played pretty well away from home. The way that he sets his side up. Maybe teams, as we've said before, are a bit more... When they come to the Stadium of Light, they maybe naturally come and sit in and try and make it difficult for Sunderland. So... Those sort of games have suited them under Alex Neal. We saw them obviously get the early goal at Wigan and controlled that game very well. Played well at Charlton, played well at Lincoln, but just couldn't take the chances. So um, that's that's an encouraging sign. The home games, you would obviously expect them to win. The likes of Gillingham at home, Shrewsbury at home, Cambridge. But as we've seen before, it's not always that simple and teams can come, sit in and be a threat on the counter-attack as we've seen before this season. So it's quite hard to make predictions, but I think... I've been encouraged by how Sunderland have played the last few weeks. I think they're a lot harder to beat under Alex Neal. As we've said before, with the clean sheets, that gives them kind of a platform. I think he's found this formation now with a back three, with with Dennis Serkin and Carl Winchester in there, with Bailey Wright being kind of the dominant centre-half in the middle. 
Um, that gives them three men at the back and allows them to kind of combat the counter-attack, which we've seen teams um, do, especially when they've come over to Sunderland, come and hit them on the break. Um, and I think the creative the creativity as well, I thought Patrick Roberts had his best. Alex Pritchard is to come back, hopefully Nathan Broadhead as well to come back to give them a few more options at the top end of the pitch. So um, I'll be encouraged, but yeah, it's, it's very tight and there's only seven games left and the margin for her is still pretty small to get in the playoffs. Yeah, it's a bit mad really that we're talking about suddenly potentially missing out on the playoffs and then being involved in the race for the playoffs given the, the position earlier on in the season. The expectations coming into the season as well, it was it was definitely not that Sunderland would uh, would struggle to get into the playoffs or have a fight on the hand with however many games to go. Michael, how do you see the playoff picture and I guess how confident are you that Sunderland can do it this time around? Well, I'll reference Joel Colin Bailey Wright at command and centre-half because that justifies my loving for the bloke because I rate Bailey Wright extremely highly. Um, I think he's a, I'll just touch on that quickly. I think he's a very physical presence and a very commanding presence that I think we've missed for large parts of the season when he hasn't been playing. For the run in itself, I mean, it's a mixed bag of fixtures, really. You know, you've got, again, Oxford and Plymouth, but as you two have said before, the fact that where, where we set up away from home, it might suit us, those games being away from home, um, because both Oxford and Plymouth, I can't imagine they're both going to sit back at home against Sunderland. I'd imagine that they're both going to want to give it a go. And providing that Sunderland are resolute, then there's no reason why we can't win both of those fixtures. But on, of course, they're tricky fixtures, as every game is. Rotherham, as you said, James is a funny one because I mean, everyone, I mean, I still, my I instinct says I still think Rotherham will turn it around and finish in the top two. But I, I would like them to do it before then. So because if Rotherham have got nothing to play for then then I could see Sunderland beating them. I know Rotherham have been exceptional away from home in terms of, I think they haven't conceded a goal in the first half away from home this season. Um, but as we know, Sunderland at home tends to be a different kettle of fish in terms of results anyway, barring that flip around the time Alex Neal was appointed as opposed to away. But the, the game, like I said, the games that you really need to be winning for me, and again, it is on paper, but it, we're seeing it for a reason. You know, Gillingham, granted, they're scrapping for every point they can get. Um, so that won't be a walk in the park by any means. But we're, so we have other playoffs to play for as well. Shrewsbury and Cambridge, in a funny way, I'd imagine they're both going to be relatively safe by then. So they might not have nothing to play for. But of course, it could work the other way that they have more freedom, couldn't it? So it just depends which yeah. way you look at it. Morecambe could be relegated or safe by the time we play them. I think when we're playing teams, I think could factor into the results. But for me, my gut instinct still says I think we'll finish in the playoffs. I still think that the, the balance Alex Neal's got with the side... The fact that if you look at people saying the issue scoring goals, there's only two games, if I'm right, there's only two games since Alex Neal's been appointed that we failed to hit the back of the net. I might be wrong, which obviously is Charlton and Lincoln, ironically, probably our two best performances, you could argue. Um, but the fact we are keeping more clean sheets, I said I wasn't going to mention it, but I'm going to be a hypocrite. Um, the fact that we are keeping more clean sheets, I think, does build a, a foundation, as Joe alluded to. And the fact it spreads confidence throughout the team, um, if you're conceding goals left, right and centre, that's going to affect you mentally going forward. And the fact, I think, that if you are keeping clean sheets, you're, you can be bolder and take more risks knowing you're less likely to get caught out and concede at the other end. So as a long-winded answer to your question, James, as I always tend to do, I still think Sunderland will finish in the playoffs. Who drops out of it? I don't know. Uh, I mean, Plymouth play, at the time of recording, it's Tuesday afternoon, Plymouth play Cheltenham tonight, um, which is basically their game in hand. And then, obviously, we have a game in hand on Plymouth when by the time we next play, but it just depends. Plymouth's running's difficult. Oxford have a few difficult games in there. I think Sheffield Wednesday have got to go to MK Dons. Bolton, we know ourselves, that's not an easy tie. Wickham, 
without swearing, it's not a very pleasant fixture. Uh, and then I think was it Portsmouth, although granted by then they'll probably be out of the playoff mix. So it's tight in the balance, as Joe said. The margin for error is quite small, but I still think Sunderland should have enough to finish in the top six. Yeah, the long-winded answers is the only reason we get you on, Michael. So um, is it, <laughs> carry well, you're on. You're certainly with that. not going to be uh, devoid of content, are you? <laughs> no, exactly not. Um, yeah, just on that running League One picture for me, I think if if we could get to the Rotherham game, having you know collected our points and and cemented our our playoff um, playoff status, playoff place, I think that would be really beneficial. Not saying that you know. Sunderland will necessarily be able to do that and it's a big ask but I'm just looking at Rotherham's fixtures now and they've got the Football League trophy final then they play Charlton at home we've seen Charlton come to the Stadium of Light and get a um, get a result it's been a poor season for them but under Johnny Jackson you know they've, they've put a few good results together Portsmouth under Danny Cowley they've got to go down there as well um, they're no mugs um, Ipswich Town then come to Rotherham Ipswich Town probably just outside the playoffs now but they've They've improved under the new guy coming in. They've got Burton away from home as well. Um, Oxford then come to Rotherham. Obviously, Oxford could be fighting for their lives in the playoff picture, like Sunderland then as well. Um, so potentially, Rotherham could really need to win that game. Um, so if Sunderland could get to that point without that being an even bigger game than it already probably will be, um, that would be helpful. Whether that happens or not, we don't know. There's probably going to be... Um, more than a few twists and turns with it being Sunderland involved. Uh, Joe, if Sunderland were to cement the playoff spot and it's a big if, hypothetically, who would you not want to face in the playoffs? Um, or we'll, we'll flip that question a little bit. Who do you think Sunderland would have the best chance against? It's very difficult, isn't it, to say in, in one-off games who you'd want to face or not want to face. I mean, you can look at previous fixtures this season, Sunderland played away at MK Dons, for example, right at the start of the season in 1-2-1, but a lot has changed from that game. They're obviously in a great run of form, MK Dons, potentially an opponent in the playoffs, but they came to the stadium like a couple of weeks ago and didn't think they were anything that special, although they went they, they were quite pragmatic and got a 2-1 win, so that was probably quite encouraging for them. But one thing I would say is, going back to the, the fact that Alex Neal is building a kind of, he's built a kind of solid side, um, which kind of gives them security at the back and has kept clean sheets. I think that will be very encouraging in the playoffs when you're going into one two-legged two-legged tie semi-final or a one-off final, and he's shown that he can win promotion through the playoffs with Norwich before in 2015. Um, that will be very encouraging for me. Um, but who you want, it's, it's very difficult. As you say, MK Don's in fantastic run. Um, Plymouth are going strong. Um, who else is up there? Oxford. It can be quite a crazy game playing Oxford, score a lot of goals, but maybe concede a few more. So, yeah, it's, it's quite hard to judge who would be a good opponent. But I think with Alex Neal in charge of Sunderland, if they did end up in the playoffs, I'd give them a, a pretty good chance. I know who I don't want, Michael, and that's Wicked Wanderers, because I don't fancy playing them in the playoffs at all. Just look at the game at uh, Adams Park against them, and you'll know why we don't want Wickham. For me, the team I probably weirdly enough don't want is Sheffield Wednesday because I think although Sheffield Wednesday can be inconsistent, I do think they've got the players there to really hurt anyone on their any given day. I think Barry Bannon is someone who they, they feel runs the midfield. You've got Sadio Berrettino up front. You've got a lot of a plethora of options at Sheffield Wednesday. Um, as Joe said, I think if I, if if the play well, this is me probably speaking as a fan. If this if the playoffs was as it is now, so MK Dons, Plymouth, Oxford, and Sunderland. 
I think uh, that that's a huge opportunity for me for Sunderland to end up winning them. Obviously, we know Sunderland's playoff history isn't kind, to say the least. It's not, but Laura Vavs would suggest you'd hope that the you can't keep finishing in the playoffs and eventually not winning them at, at some stage. So I've got more confidence, or I should say hope, with Alex Neal than I would have had with, say, Lee Johnson. Because Lee Johnson, although he liked to have us scoring lots of goals, we never kept clean sheets, and that was a big issue for me. Whereas this time, it's more of a balance. Um, I mean, if you look at the teams, like I said, MK Dons, if we had them in the semi-finals, personally, I'd be very disappointed not to get to the final. I think MK Dons down there, I think we were comfortable. I know it's at the start of the season, but nevertheless, you know, we, we were, I thought we were comfortable until Lee Burge made a mistake. And then the game up here, it was just two counter-attacking goals. That was, for me, that was it. Um, I didn't think they were anything all that special, but they, they won't care and nor should they. Um, Plymouth, obviously, look, the momentum's really with them at the minute. But we were saying this about Sheffield Wednesday a few games ago. So look what's happened. Um, it just, it's, a, it's a funny one. If I'd say I don't want probably Sheffield Wednesday or Wickham, who are the teams below us, funnily enough. And as you know, we know what Wickham are like. I would, I could, I would detest playing Wickham over two legs or even the final if we both got there. Yeah, and, and for me as well, I know you can, you can probably say this every season, to be fair, but I think this season it really does ring true that Sunderland could really do with getting out of this division because Wigan Athletic, they're probably likely to go up, say for argument's sake, that, that Rotherham go up automatically as well, but it could be MK Dons. You would then have MK Dons left in the division, Plymouth Argyle left in the division, Oxford United left in the division, um, potentially Sunderland as well. You know, Sheffield Wednesday, possibly Wickham, possibly still there. Ipswich Town, they're probably going to come good again at some point. Bolton are going to come good again at some point. Portsmouth are going to come good again at some point. Burton and Charlton have been historically strong in this division. Lincoln and Fleetwood have, have had poor seasons, but they've been OK um, previously. And then from a championship, you're going to have Derby County coming down. Now, we don't know what sort of shape they're going to be in. Um, Peterborough looked likely to get relegated as well. Um, you know, they've been excellent in, in League One over, over past seasons. And then it's sort of Barnsley or, or possibly Reading as well. Barnsley, we've, we've seen, had success in, in League One and, and Reading, I'm sure, would, would be strong if they did come down. So, for me, um, League One is season on season looking a, a scarier place. But there is some positive news, Joe, or negative, actually, <laughs> um, depending on which spin you put on it. But uh, Ross Stewart called up for his maiden Scotland um, squad appearance. Uh, fully deserved for his goals this season. I think it's 22 now he's on. Uh, he's League, yeah. League One's top scorer. But um, I think that the thing going through Sunderland fans' minds is the potential for injury. And it does put them in the shop window if Sunderland didn't get promoted. Yeah, I think Scotland have only got one game, haven't they? Because their World Cup playoff got postponed. So I think they've, they're only playing one friendly. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. But um, yeah, yes, really, yeah, yeah, that was postponed. So I think they're just playing Poland. Um, but yeah, great for Ross Stewart. I mean, fully deserved. I think, you know, he's, he's a standalone top goal scorer at the moment in League One with 22 goals. Really impressed with what he's offered the side this season, not just with his goals, but with his kind of link-up play, his kind of aerial presence running into the channels. Um, and I think he's he's the first player. If Sunderland don't go up this season, he's going to be the one that there's going to be a lot of championship clubs going to look at him. And, um, yeah, there'll be a lot of interest in Ross Stewart. So, um, yeah, really happy for him that he's been called up. Quite a level-headed guy as well when I spoke to him kind of after games as well. Um, kind of keeps his feet on the ground, is, is very focused. I think he maybe sets personal targets, but he's not too kind of, um, putting them out there in public, um, gets his head down, has worked hard. 
Um, thought he linked up quite well as well with, with Patrick Roberts on Saturday, which was encouraging. And he, he's linked up well with, with Pritchard as well previously. So I think, yeah, a fully deserved call up for Ross Stewart. We'll have a quick look through the comments on Facebook and Twitter. We are recording this podcast um, live, so you can throw us any comments or questions. And the podcast will be available on the usual raw feed. Ben Dawson says the results in the gap of sacking Lee Johnson and appointing Alex Neal have cost us daily. I completely agree. And it was the case between Phil Parkinson and Lee Johnson, actually. So your thoughts on them might have learned something there but they haven't uh tom gardner says you've got to be confident going into the playoffs and not be afraid of anybody um over two legs i think we can beat anyone especially getting the likes of broadhead and pritchard back and michael you'll have to give me some help on the pronunciation of this name is it acacia it's acacia cameron jude acacia cameron jude who says i don't want sheffield wednesday in the playoffs and she labels boring barry bannon which he looks like a bit of a boring man, Barry Bannon, but he's a, a very good football player. Michael, what have you made of Ross Stewart's call-up and, and which camp do you, do you sit in? Are you, are you pleased or are you secretly quite annoyed? Uh, probably more the latter. From a selfish point of view, I'm annoyed because I don't want him to be. But obviously, there's a risk he could get injured in training, isn't there? You There's a risk with anything, I suppose. He, from a selfless point of view, he absolutely deserves it. I, thought that I, think, I think anyone objectively could say that he absolutely deserves to be in there. As Joe said, the fact it's a friendly means there might be more chance that he plays because there's nothing to lose for Scotland. Um, and even, but uh, and, and unfortunately, as, as I also agree with Joe when he said that if we don't go up, then I think the likes of Dan Neal and Ross Stewart will probably be the first out of the door. We'll probably cash in on whatever we can get. And the good thing, I suppose the good thing, one positive, if Ross Stewart does go, at least we'd make probably, chances are we'd make a profit on him. Um, but I mean, his international call-up is deserved. Just a question actually, funny enough, when does Ross Stewart's contract run out? Do either of you know? 2023. End of next season, isn't it? Yeah. Right, can we not give him a four-year contract, then sell him, please? Uh, well, yeah, I'm sure Christian Speakman has looked at that, but, um, well I, well, I don't know for certain, but you would imagine that the the sort of the way the club have been on contracts, thinking back to Elliot Embledon and, and Dan Neal, they were very proactive over that. So if I had to guess, I think they probably would have spoken to him about it. But I, I guess it's one of them where the club would probably like to tie him down, but there's no immediate rush because he's not going anywhere at the end of the season mm. um, on a free. So yeah. you would, in theory, Joe, be able to keep him and, and then... The, the two parties would make the decision, but my guess is that those sort of talks have have, have been have been happening. W would you say the same, Joe? Yeah, I'd hope so. But as we said before, I think if if there's championship interest in it, which we believe there is, um, and if Sunderland don't go up, there'll be quite a queue of clubs wanting to sign him. I mean, what we've seen in the last, definitely the last transfer window, and even the summer is they've they've tried to sign players down to longer term deals. Jamie Tete came in in January, signed a four and a half year deal. And that was the, the same with Tri Hume, Dan Neal and Elliot Embleton have obviously signed long-term contracts this season. So they are now starting to give out more long-term contracts. But I think if Sunderland don't go up, it's going to be very hard, to, as we've said, to keep Ross Stewart when there's going to be championship interest. Indeed. Um, Joe, we'll take a, a little look at the injury picture as well, because this, this two-week breaks affords Sunderland um, a chance to, to get some players maybe a bit more fitter, a bit more, you know, Firing a bit, a bit heavily. That obviously a few injuries. Danny Bart played for the under twenty threes last night. You were there. Obviously Alex Pritchard, his injury. Um, Ada McGeady window suffered a setback. Nathan Broadhead sort of in and around. Um, so I guess this two weeks does afford Alex Naylor a chance to to really get the squad uh, fighting fit again. 
Yeah, the two ones, well, kind of from an attacking point of view that we spoke about the weekend were, were Broadhead and Pritchard. Pritchard, fortunately, doesn't seem as bad as first feared when he went down at Charlton. We've talked potentially looked like maybe two months even. Could have ruled him out the season. It's not that bad. Um, and Alex Neal was saying last week that he's making good progress and hopefully he'll be back after the international break. Broadhead, a bit of a strange one, um, came back at Charlton. And then Alex Neal was saying it's just a minor issue, but then he's missed the last three games. So that is a bit concerning. But when we asked him after the, the Lincoln game, he, he seemed again hopeful that he'd be back after the international break. Hopefully this kind of break gives him a chance to kind of recover. But the fact that it's his hamstring again that kept him out for so long, a bit concerning, but hopefully we can see him back. Danny Bart, um, yeah, he played for the under-23s last night, spoke to him after the game, and um, he's kind of hopeful now that he's, he's back after the, those issues with his ankle, again, a, a strange one, because remember when he came in, Lee Johnson was kind of saying, this guy's got a really good injury record, and then he came in, played one or two games, and then his ankle flares it's typical, up. Typical yeah. Sunderland, isn't it, really? Christ, typical Sunderland. Uh, just really bad luck for him. Um, but yeah, I mean, he came in, he had that great debut, and then then struggled and then picked up the injury. So, But Sunderland looked pretty assured at the back, and I'm sure that's, that'll have been frustrating for him. Um, he'll have wanted, wanted to be involved. That's that's, yeah. like a, that's like a microcosm of, of of Sunderland and a player, isn't it? He comes in highly rated from the Championship, uh, good defensively with a good injury record. He gets off to a decent start, um, then loses six 0 away at the Bolton, and then has a bad yeah. injury record. It's just it's just the most Sunderland thing in the world. Joe, what was the the sort of situation with the under twenty threes last night? Because there was a few first teamers, but then a, a poor result for Sunderland. Yeah, so they played. I went about five five first. Well, Bath played. Embleton, Jakku, Hoffman played in goal, and Samaji played. So that's five five first-team players, and uh, they got beat 2-0. So, I mean, they started first 20 minutes. They were all over Burnley. Um, could have been 3-0 up in 20 minutes, created three excellent chances. And then the intensity just seemed to drop. I think that the, the um, few passes started to go astray, and then in the second half, they just didn't come out with the same intensity, and Burnley managed to win 2-0. Alex Neal was there watching. Um, obviously, I think it was just minutes, just trying to get minutes in those players. Danny Bart, obviously, coming back from an injury. Uh, we've seen before Patrick Roberts played for the under 23s a couple of weeks ago just to get minutes and keep the fitness up. But um, yeah, losing 2 losing 0. And as I said, the intensity dropped quite significantly in the, in, in the second half. But um, yeah, quite different occasions playing with uh, with not much crowd. For, it was at the stadium, I like, but. Hopefully, um, they'll be able to improve if they're making an impact in the league because someone will probably need those players. Where do you stand on that sort of result with with five first teamers involved, Michael? Because I, I saw a lot, a lot of annoyance on, on social media and I, I can completely understand, to be honest, because you, you want these five players to sort of stake a claim to get in the first team. We know the under-23s is, is more about development and the football isn't... It's just not the same as senior football, as anybody who's watched it knows. It's it's almost a sort of completely different game and style. But I'm thinking Diaku Embleton, you'd really want those players, especially in forward areas, to to push and do some damage, wouldn't you? If they wanted to get back into the team. Well, exactly. I mean, I think only out of them lot, I think only Diaku was involved on at Lincoln, which obviously was a substitute appearance. But you're right. I mean, this stage of the season, you want them to be. So it's really pushing to stake a claim. The only thing I could think of is some of these guys are on the, well, certainly the likes of, say, Danny Bart or whoever else. And I think you said, I don't know if you remember, did Broadhead play? Or did I miss No, that? Broadhead didn't play. Didn't? Well, okay, I missed that then. Um, I thought this, 
if it was players coming back from injury and you want to give them minutes, I would get it. But these are guys that should be pushing to really push a stake for a start, uh, place in the starting eleven, unless it's to try and keep fitness up. Um, to me, I'm personally not too bothered about it, but I can see how it does come across as annoying because we want to have everyone fit and firing for a crucial stage of the season for finishing in the playoffs and hopefully doing well in them if we did. So you need them in the first team, really, not in the under-23 setup. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, thank you. Thank you, gents, for joining us. That was very cathartic. Thanks, Joe. And, and thanks always, Michael, for, for taking no time worries. out of your day. We very, very much appreciate it. Uh, so, that, yeah, that just about brings an end to another Raw podcast. Uh, for all the build-up news and injury updates ahead of Sunderland's next game against Gillingham in a couple of weeks' time, and everything in between, please head over to the Sunderland Echo website. And once again, thank you for listening to the Raw Podcast. 